Hello, ladies, and welcome back to Celebrate You. Today, we have a very, what's the word? Successful, impressive, kind, amazing man as a guest. Uh, he is Mike Amato. And Mike, before I go into you, ladies, um, so basically Mike, he he's at the top of his game when it comes to banking and when it comes to growth, personal growth and career growth and mentoring and all that. Uh, he was an executive in Barclays. He was the head of global product and distribution. And then he had like different roles uh, acting as the um, uh, non-executive director in the board of Santander UK and Tandem Bank, a fintech in the UK. Uh, we met in Tandem and since then, like we've had an amazing uh, coaching, friendship, professional relationship and I am absolutely honored to have Mike in the show. Hello Mike. Monica, hello. What a wonderful introduction. Thanks so much for that. Um, and I'm honored to be here too. Um, as you said, we've known each other for quite a while now and um, um, we started as colleagues. I was on the board, you were on the staff of Tandem Bank and uh, we became friends. You distinguished yourself to me not only just with your bright and sunny personality, you lifted the entire organization on your wings. Oh. But you wrote a thank you note and a goodbye note to every single employee of Tandem Bank when you left. And that is unbelievable compassion and heart. And they talk about you to this day. So anyways, it's a pleasure to be here on your blog. And I'm rooting for your success in anything you ever do. You can count on me. Oh, th thank you, Mike. Thank you so much. Awesome. So let's start with, can you tell us a bit about your story? Okay, so I won't go back to the day I was born because that might not be very interesting. <laughs> um, but uh, um, as, as you said, Monica, my, my career has been 35 years at executive management. Um, I was the president of um, a bank in the United States, Washington Mutual Bank. Um, I worked there for 24 years. I started by answering the telephone and I became ended up being the president of the division. And um, it was it was incredible. Twenty four years ride from literally the phone to the to the to the boardroom. So um, um, I, I learned a lot of things in the way when, when we started off. The organization was like three billion in assets. When I left, there were three hundred fifty billion in assets. So we had incredible growth, and I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about a lot of people that I got a chance to work with, and and um, and and so. The, the, When what I learned most importantly was as we grew both by organic and inorganic means, Monica, I learned that values are the core of, of, of the ecosystem. So we talked about corporate culture and I became very passionate because when we did something like 32 acquisitions, I was the first guy in to talk about who we are, what we do, how we do it. And we talked about culture right off the bat. And, you know, now I call it the C word because everybody talks about how important culture is and they actually do very little work on cultivating the right culture. So I'm starting to use the word ecosystem now. But I learned the value of values in creating that ecosystem. And um, when the values at that organization shifted, um, I, I can't compromise my values. I didn't like the move into subprime lending. And I left Washington mm -hmm. Mutual Bank. Stock was at an all-time high. Um, but the warning signs were there that I didn't want to be part of it. And I left and I went to go join Barclays in London in the UK. So I lived there for six years. And boy, did that change my life personally and professionally. So as you mentioned, I was a head of product and distribution. So um, look quickly, what does that mean? It means globally um, in charge of multi-products 
mortgages to investments to um, um, current accounts and savings, um, et cetera. So multiple products for multiple segments for premier customers, personal customers, premier customers, and, um, and, and, and local business. And then multi-channels. So this included all channels, all um, 3,500 branches and um, 30,000 people um, in, in, in call centers and, um, and, and then the internet, the beginning of the, of the internet banking, not the beginning, but the evolution of internet banking. So um, of online banking. So, so multi-channel, multi-product, multi-segment um, 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 role. So I, it was a fantastic to apply my experience to that. And then learn how to lead a team of 30,000 from a crisis. Um, you know, just like in our personal lives, Monica, wow. crisis causes change. A lot of times it takes crisis for us to change. You know, a lot of times, and I imagine there might be people yes. listening in today who nod, yes, I like it. Yes, I like it. Yes, I like it. I'm going to look at more inspirational statements and messages on Instagram. But my feet don't move. My head nods and I lean, but my feet don't move. I don't really change until that crisis comes along. Well, at Barclays, we had a big crisis. And mm. right after I got there, uh, we had a, a BBC called me and said, we're going to be on a whistleblower program on Sunday night. They had three reporters that were embedded into our system for over nine months. And they recorded video recording and auto recording of meetings and everything to show how bad Barclays was at mis-selling. And so that was a ah. welcome moment. Yeah. In the United States, that wouldn't have been legal. That was my first reaction. This is not legal. Well, it's, it's the UK and it was legal. And by golly, they did run that. They did run that. So look, what, what happened was the organization had also drifted from its stated values. So I was able to just come in and came in at the right time. And in trying to address the issues at Barclays, the issues that I saw just from, just from observing the first few months, when this came along, it was the best thing that ever happened to that organization. It was traumatic. But Monica, what it did was allow us to say, we need to reset. We need to revisit. We need to reboot. And we need to mm. reconnect to our core values. In fact, because of that, we called it Re, Real, Re, Retail. And we launched Real Retail. And um, 30,000 people, give you a couple of metrics. It was so fantastic. And I know this is the longest introduction ever. But I want to tell Hi, you. That's little- fine. It's. It's wonderful. Okay, thank you. It's important to me to set the <laughs> yeah. later. But so, so what happened? Um, employee engagement was the lowest I'd ever seen at about sixty-four percent. In eighteen months, we moved it to ninety-two um, percent, the highest of any bank globally. That's thirty thousand people. We had we had people respond in surveys. Maybe about seventy percent, sixty-nine percent. That response rate went up to ninety-five percent when we did the transformation, um, things like sales per seller went from nine to 23 sales per seller per week. That's 10,000 sellers. I'm not talking about five people who worked harder, 10,000 sellers. Oh, by the way, our compliance with our sales quality and re, um, um, reputation with the regulator um, actually improved while sales and productivity went up. So there's a lot of things that I just want to put put out there that there's an ROI for changing the culture. And let me tell you, that's our ROI and it changed it dramatically. We're still the only financial, well, still, but we're, we're the only financial institution in the UK to actually pull PPI before the regulator shut it down. We pulled it two years before the regulator shut it down. So that's value. Mm-hmm. And so that's a core of a lot of what I want to talk about today when I talk about who I am. And so um, from that point, I went into the non-executive director roles that you mentioned at Santander and at um, Tandem. 
Um, and um, I, I've, I've, I left Santander a few years ago. I'm, I just resigned from Tandem because I'm focused now on doing some things. Number one, I started a winery. So I'm a partner in a winery here in Washington State. Yes. And it's it, it's a it, it's a blast. I'll tell you, we've got we've got 26 acres of grapes, and we've got award-winning wines. Um, so so there's that part of my oh. life which I love. Um, then yeah. there's the um, mentoring. You mentioned, of course, I know that you're coaching. I know that you're an excellent coach. And what I do is I'm a I, I, I'm, I'm growing my mentoring business. Rather than sit in the board meeting and talk about some of the issues that are that are the board's responsible for overseeing in terms of risk management and risk mitigation and you know uh, risk appetite, etc., I want to focus on helping people um, as a mentor, helping them grow their careers and grow their success. Um, and then at the same time, mm-hmm. I also do advisory work for organizations who maybe they're facing that same crisis or they want to avoid that crisis. Um, and, and, and so I talked to them about how to change that ecosystem for all the employees. So it's like mentoring for a massive group of people because I want to make the world better for them. I want to make their employer better for them, the ecosystem better for them. Or it can be for one person at a time. And um, my clients tend to be women. They tend to be women who, who um, you know, quite honestly, Monica, they fit your profile um, in terms of people that are high achievers. <laughs> are trying to get balance in their life. They want to get success in a world that's not always fair to them. And how do they win, given the fact that they didn't get to set the rules? They're in a, in, in a lot of times in male-dominated industries. And so we talk about how to do that. And being a mentor allows me to give advice, not just um, counseling, not just have them discover their own truth, but it also allows me to give some advice and experiential things, which really helps when you've got some tactical issues that you might have to face every day. So there you go, Monica. That's me. <laughs> that is absolutely amazing. And I just want to add on the last bit that you said. Uh, I think one of the things that distinguishes you from any other mentor, let's say, or coach, is that you come with that practical point being in the industry so you know the context like when you were mentoring me I didn't have to explain to you anything you just like got it (laughs) so that that makes your advice and mentoring even more powerful ah I love that thanks for saying that it's so important to me because it is practical so so real I, I heard I learned early on that real intelligence is taking very complex concepts and making them simple and, and applicable. To me, there's a plug in a socket. We got to put the two together. I'm not sure I need to know about all the wiring or all the things. It's, and, and certainly engineers need to do that. But in my roles, I've always had to say, how do we how do we make things work? How do, how do we make sure that we take complex things and and bring them to life? So I love bringing it to life. And 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 what I love doing is 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 helping people not just become motivated, but to discover their inspiration. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I work with um, people, uh, the, the um, office of the COO for a cryptocurrency exchange. Um, it might be a cosmetic salesperson in the Middle East. It could be somebody at a bank in the UK or in the US right now. So it, it's any industry, really, because the needs of the people can be very, very similar. And are, the key is to unlock that, um, um, that, that inspiration and apply a little mode of motivation too, which is a formula that that um, we've actually been applying pretty quite successfully. I'll come back to that a little bit later. But Monica, did that make sense in terms of the in terms of the mm-hmm. uh, not just banking, but it's actually almost where any 
any place anybody works. Across. Yes, yes, that makes a lot of sense. So what made you change, kind of like do that career change and now focus more on on this type of work? Um, the, the honest answer is that the ability to impact the organization from the board, you think it's really great when you first begin. In reality, it's not very great. All I get a chance to see every month is the information that's shared to, with me by the exec. And, 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 and being an executive who had to present to the board, I know there's a few tricks. I know you want to get my, to look at the shiny object here so you don't see the issue over here because it's not natural for any manager to come before the board and say, wow, we have some real challenges. We have some real issues. We have some things that frankly, we could use your help on. No, everything is good. Everything is always just fine. And when, you know, have you guys ever tried this? Oh, no, no, no. Um, I had the executive, one of the executives from Santander tell me one time, um, you, you never get response rates. Nobody ever responds those, to those surveys over, over any, anything over 70, 75%. That's just how it is. So, no, it's not. No, that's, that's how it is, Mike. You just don't know. I do know. And it can be 95%. And I'll tell you how. No, no, no. Everything's fine. We've got that covered. So the ability to impact the organization and, and really change the ecosystem is actually quite limited from the board. And um, so it was great experience. I learned a lot. Um, um, I had a lot of development to do as a board member, by the way, because I kept wanting to see the world through the eyes of an executive. And it's not that same. Um, so I learned a lot and, and I had a lot of fun. Also had a lot of tough days, but went through some great experiences. But that part of my life, um, not that I wouldn't do it again in the right circumstances, but I'm so much more happy to have an impact with somebody, work with them on how to grow their career and how to link their career to their personal life. There is a way. Invariably on the fourth call, mm. people say, gee, Mike, does this apply to my personal life as well? Answer is yes. It's the same process. The yes. same process. So I love doing that. So that's where I'm that's where my career and my passion's taken me. Yes, and I can see you'd like to know. It's like, yes, your eyes blink blink when you start talking about it. So that's amazing. It lights me up, really it does. Um, this is my second um, interview today. I did one at 3 a.m. this morning and and now here it is, uh, oh. 30 p.m. But it, it, it's I'll, I'll talk about it all day long because it's really important. I, th I think, look, when you think about it, executives have all these resources. They've got consultants, they have advisors, they have all sorts of people coming in telling them all sorts of things, right? Well, the company rests on the middle managers. And to be quite honest with you, we didn't discover at Barclays the talent that was below the surface until we gave some opportunities for women to start moving up in the organization. And all of a sudden, my board, which was one female and 11 males when I first started, when I left, it was six and six. And giving women the chance to shine made a massive uplift, made a massive difference. And, and, and so that does light me up. And I'll talk about that all day long. Awesome. I love that because that's exactly what we want. Like this is not a women's empowerment and changing the workplace podcast, but uh, it is part of that. It's I think that's what inspired me to also start helping women because like I've had so much support, like so much support throughout my career to shine and also to go through the challenges. And I think it's important for experienced people, whether it's you or me, you know, you don't have to be like, at the top of, of the board <laughs> to help others, uh, to help um, 
younger generations of women uh, have a better life at the work and life. That's exactly right. There has to be a compassion component to it. It doesn't matter level. Doesn't matter. Doesn't. I mean, sure. There tactically, there's some situations that's really, you know, it's it's nice to have somebody say, okay, you should maybe look left and not like right, or here's how you manage a bad boss, or here's our plan for firing your boss. Uh, I've I've done that before. As I've had a challenging boss, took me two years to become his boss, and I had a chance to fire him. So so that happens. So there that does help, but. People that, that reach out to you, for example, Monica, they're just lucky. They're just fortunate. I shouldn't say lucky. It's fortunate because it's the compassion. It's the heart that you bring to it. And it's that voice. You know, when, when, when it's our own, when we think about our helping ourselves, it's really hard to listen to our own voice. And so many times you have given me some fantastic advice in terms of doing certain things or seeing things a different way. It's really just organizing the world around us and seeing a whole different light. And that's what something that you're an expert at doing. So um, I'm positive that your clients benefit from your advice and your compassion. Oh, thank you, Mike. But it's, but it's spot on. It's about perspective because that's what you do with me too. <laughs> I'm like, ah, chaos. And then I speak with you <laughs> and it's like, oh, I'd never thought about it like that. You actually have a frame. It's like awareness, perspective. Those, those are the two things when I think of you. It's like, yeah, it's about perspective. And that's like so powerful. So yeah, yeah let's start going into it. I'll let you, I'll let you expand more on, on your frameworks or the challenges that you help women with. Good. Good. Um, let's talk about that for a second. I'm trying to think of the best way to introduce it because but right now I was, I was, um, I'm in the process of writing a book on toxic corporate cultures and the oh. type of book I think is going to be, there's another way to win. And the other way to win is say, don't put profits first, put people first. Now people write about this all the time. They talk about it all the time on LinkedIn. You can see all these articles, about it, but it does not happen. You guys, it does not happen. And all of you know it. The emperor has no clothes in your own company, right? So, so of course you have to make profits, but the way to make profits, actually profits beyond what the board is even courageous enough to expect if you do it through people. So there's another way to win. And I'm in the process of writing that book. And what it's done is forced me to kind of think about things a little bit more saying, how, how would we do certain things and, 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 and how would we approach certain problems and what is a formula? Because I want to say there's no formula. I respond to every situation when I was an executive and I just thought of the answer. Well, after a while, you start looking at it and especially when you have to write it in a book, there is actually a little bit of a, a process. And just the other day, I came up with the formula that I think would be really, um, I hope it's really helpful for everybody listening to this. And it's so simple. It's so simple, but there's a lot of more, there, there's a lot more meat that goes on this bones on these bones, but here you go. The, the, the whole notion about, about when you think about growth or success, it's a mathematical equation. And by the way, almost everything in life is a mathematical equation. This one's quite simple. <clears throat> you have motivation. And what is motivation? Motivation is caffeine. It comes from the outside. Uh, motivation is, can be a powerful force in getting us excited about something, see things, something differently. Um, um, create excitement around a cause or a purpose or, or an event. And, and that's why it's proliferated on social media. In fact, right now you have 13-year-old boys and girls throwing out the wisdom of the ages like ketchup on, on, on you know, French fries or chicken. <laughs> and it's like all the wisdom of the age so much so that it, that it 
it becomes a cliche to see another beautiful quote about Rumi, which could, from Rumi, pardon me, which could change people's lives. But it's just another bit of noise because we're all trying to motivate each other. Now, has it really changed anybody's life? Well, I hope so. But I suspect motivation from an external source is a little caffeine hit. It's a, a nice little buzz, but then it falls down. Um, a lot of the motivational seminars, people leave sky high. Two weeks later, their life is the same because it didn't apply to anything. They didn't plug it in anywhere in their life, maybe. So motivation. Now, plus, what do you add motivation with? Add motivation to inspiration. And we're going to put that in brackets like any equation. Mm -hmm. Motivation plus inspiration, that's some. Inspiration, inspire, means to actually take air into our lungs. That's the actual technical definition of inspiration. Inspiration comes from within. This is what people are looking for and say, what's my life purpose? Why am I here? What do I want to do? What gets me excited? You're not going to find it from somebody like, I'm sorry to say, Monica, you or me saying, you can do anything. You know, we got this together. That's motivation and it's, it's fuel, but by itself, it doesn't do anything. You light the fuse by getting that inspiration that says, you know what, through this conversation, I'm gonna apply some motivation to discover what inspires me. When you unlock inspiration plus motivation, the sum of that is a powerful force and now you're ready to go. But you gotta multiply that sum by something. And the multiplier, and there's a lot of ways to say it, but determination, um, grit, it's persevering. I was, I was watching Undercover Billionaire the other day on TV. And um, they're supposed to take $100 and start and make a million-dollar business in 90 days. Well, they started making yeah. barbecue stand. And the barbecue stand ran into all sorts of problems, personnel, people, product, everything you can think of. So, so um, um, the, the, the undercover billionaire came on, and they interviewed him later, and he said, we were facing a crisis there where we had to – we actually have to do more than a competition. We have to go further than the competition. We have to we have to be able to go through the pain and fight through it. And he described what it meant for their, for their stand. Well, it, it showed in 90 days it was worth a million dollars. The stand became a restaurant, became wow. a, a famous restaurant in the city. So he's, his point was determination, grit, sticking to it is the multiplier. It's multiplier force, the, 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 um, um, the force majeure that, that – um, when, when multiplied times that inspiration and that motivation, it creates a phenomenal thing called success. It's success. It creates growth. It creates a new you. And there's a way to go through a process, Monica, where we can talk about how do we find these things? How do we walk through these things? Oh, and by the way, while we're doing it, how do we deal with issues? Um, I, I was prepared in, in the call the mm -hmm. other day to kind of kick into another level of conversation with one of the people I'm mentoring. Well, they just had a corporate reorganization. Her role changed. So she said, Mike, what does this mean? What has to happen? Well, that's a different type of conversation than theoretically thinking what's your inspiration today. Her inspiration is surviving and understanding what's going on. So that's that's the type of conversations when, when, when I tell people that you're hiring me, you're not hiring me to follow a, a mathematical formula. We're going to apply that formula in a real way in your life, personally and professionally, and show you how we can address each one of those components, but with real life examples and a real life perspective, as you mentioned, that perspective is so important. And you know what? We had a conversation. She was very down, very scared. When we got done, it's like 
she's extremely excited. And she had, um, I, I'm kind of on call when I work with somebody. So she called me the next day, Mike, guess what? Got this thing. Not only is it better, but I'm going to get a raise and everything else. Well, a lot of it's the energy that she brought into that discussion oh, cool. as opposed to the energy that she brought to that discussion. And so um, my, my point is that that formula is proving to be pretty helpful. It's conceptually a great idea. And the question is, and how do you apply that into your career and your life? And that's the, that's the magic that I love to, to try to discover with each and every client. So um, that's, that's a little bit of overview in terms of how I work with people and, and how we try to re, you know, help them with that growth and discover really who they are um, personally yeah. and professionally. Yes, you touched something important, I think, halfway through talking. And you said, usually you work with people, I'm assuming, uh, for a period of minimum six six sessions or something along those lines. And you said, uh, around session number four, people kind of like, they start thinking, oh, I went to Mike because I wanted career growth. And all of a sudden, they start opening up a little bit and saying, oh, how about how can I apply this to my personal life? Can you expand on that? Yes, it's, it's so funny. And it happened just the other day. We had to stop and acknowledge the moment. Um, so so, so uh, I used to do six sessions, six one-hour sessions, and, and, and that was my program. I've, I've changed that now, Monica, where I'm anywhere from four to six months, depending on the program. And, and basically what I am just, we're going to work in four, through four to six months and not apply a strict hour by hour basis, but let's help you with the situation. So I, I am your man, call on me and I'm going to help you whether it's twice a week, three times a week or once a month, you tell me when it's time to talk and we'll do it for that period of time. So you're hiring me to represent you. So that, that, that's really, that change has really helped a lot. Um, because number, number one, um, it allows the individual to, to have more circumstances, more situations to that really test the knowledge that we're trying to trying to create and, and the self-awareness. Um, um, but, but it, it gives more time, but plus it makes it more real. Again, it's, there's a mm. lot of actual information out there, but we need, we need actual, how do you practice it? How do you, how do you, well, I want to see the results of what's going on, by the way, six, six weeks. I can't tell the results always. Well, to your question, the fourth, the fourth meeting, um, whether it's in two weeks or two months is invariably a, My client turns to me and says, Mike, um, I know this is really not in the, in the um, range of things we're, we're, we're supposed to be talking about, but I'm making progress in my career. I feel like it's great to have you there as an advocate, but there's a whole other side of me that, that's, that's really not, not being developed. It's my, I have no personal life, and especially with COVID. Yes. And, and so with COVID, people working 16 hours a day, they have no personal life. Then you take an economy that's shut down, society that's shut down. It's extremely challenging, extremely isolating. So, so how, you know, can we talk about that? Can, 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 do you have conversations about that? And the answer is a wholehearted yes, because the same things that we practice in your professional development actually work in your personal development because you're not two people. In spite of what your employer wants you to believe, when you walk in these doors, you all of a sudden need management. You need executives to know what to think and do. And we're going to tell you what to do. We're going to show you what to do. And without us, you don't know what to do. And yet I used to make jokes at Barclays. I was talking to our executives. They said, well, we can't let people do that. We don't know what they would do. I said, you guys, these people go home every night. They walk outside those doors. And without our help, they have babies. 
Without our help, they bury parents. <laughs> they go to parent-teacher conferences. They actually raise families all without our help. So they're not two people. They're one person. And so the skills that help you grow your career, by the way, the spoiler alert, it's a lot to do with that word inspiration. We're all energy. We're all energy. And we project a certain kind of energy wherever we go. Okay. And, and um, yes. if I'm projecting energy that's different than what my intention is or what's non-productive and unhelpful, I'm not going to get what I want professionally or personally. So the core of the work is actually to begin to say, how do we take our authentic selves and our, and our energy and how do we project it in ways that magnify our personal brand, that direct it to be something bigger than, greater than, but in a way that fits each individual person. And when you do that, you then apply that to your personal life. And all of a sudden, you're a better parent. You're sending different vibrations and signals to your family. All of a sudden, you're an attractive person, energetically attractive person for others to meet. You're a more successful person because people want to understand what's going on with you. The people want, people want to be around with you because you're sending out energy that matches your, your core self, your core being. And that's really the, what we're trying to do in the program is to unlock that and show how if you go inside and, and, and project that energy, you create an entirely new, sometimes it doesn't have to be entirely new. I don't want to exaggerate, but a much more effective personal brand that is entirely authentic with your core values and the core of who you are. That's why it works with your personal life. And you have experience with that, I think, Monica. Yes, I have. Yes. I remember one time many I times. I gave you some homework assignment one time when you were going huh? to Japan. And, uh, and you're going to Japan, you're thinking about you know, personal growth, career growth, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I gave you the homework assignment to say, if you change your, think about your, what you're projecting and you had some pretty amazing synchronicities on that trip. I remember that. Yes. Yes. I, now that I, that, that you say, yes, I remember the, the homework for <laughs> my trip to Japan. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I love about you, Mike, it's that uh, you talk about projecting energy and vibrational match. Um, I believe that's science, uh, and I love that as an executive, you talk so openly about it because like you say, we are one being, we are not the professional corporate one. And then the one outside of work, we're just one and same, all of those things come together. And I'm very grateful that you talk about it because it's not spoken in the corporate world. Thank you, Monica. And, and and there's a lot of legal reasons and compliance reasons why you can't possibly do that because there might be somebody who doesn't want to talk about it. It's like, I, I, I don't buy it. I was told a long time ago, several times in my career, actually, you know, Mike, you get too close to the, to your employees and, and you know what, you shouldn't have an open door. It's like, I'm sorry, F you. I'm going to have an open door. I'll talk to whoever I want to talk to because as human beings, as energetic beings, who's better than the other person? Because I happen to be an organization where I happen to have some experiences where it's valued and they want me to come and do more. I'm not better than somebody else. And by the way, the flatter the organization, meaning the closer I can get to people that really know the truth, the more they'll say the truth. 
suggestion boxes don't work because nothing ever happens because it goes to some anonymous person who does nothing with them and blah, blah, blah. Well, so, so, so by getting close to people, not only does it feed my soul, gosh, it warms my heart to talk to somebody. Um, the woman serving coffee on the 24th floor at Barclays, the executive floor at Barclays, a young gal serving coffee. I mean, just a delightful, she was just a ray of sunshine. Um, I said, why don't you come to work for us? We've got to start as a cashier. You know what? She's one of the top mortgage advisors now at Barclays. Amazing. I mean, so, so why wow. would I create a hierarchical relationship with people when that energy, we're all, the, we're, like you said, we're all the same. Nobody's better than anybody else. And I love to be open about it. And I love to talk about it. And it's just plain different. And I love that it's different. My, my, when I started a company for my advisory services and it's called Cimarron Advisory. Cimarron is a Native American, the Cheyenne Indian tribe, um, or actually Cheyenne First Nations people tribe. And um, Cimarron means maverick. Maverick means, you know, different, standalone, mm. away from the herd. So um, that was how I was an executive. I was 35 years in banking. I was never a banker, Monica, never a banker. People would talk to me about <laughs> Yeah. I, I had an investment bank one time told me, oh, you don't deal with, we, we, we drive P&L investment bank. And I said, to you, P&L is profit and loss. For me, P&L is people and leadership. And oh, by the way, my organization Ooh. has higher value than your organization. And that was to a, to a colleague at Barclays Capital. Pretty arrogant, dude. Well, it turns out we were more valuable. It turns out we do have a higher valuation. And it turns out they needed the retail bank to fund the growth plans at the investment bank. So, so um, this hierarchical notion is just insecurity by the person expressing it. And I don't buy into it. I, I love the flat organization. And I love the fact that we're all, we should all acknowledge each other as, as people of energy, just trying to figure out how we're going to live our lives in a fulfillment, happy way. And by the way, I learned as much as I, I learned way more than I, I'm ever able to express from the other people. It's, it's beautiful. Yes. Amazing. Can I tell the little story about you when we first met and Dennis? Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just what you said about uh, being non-hierarchical and basically mingling with everyone to make a, a better organization. I remember like the first one of the first times that I met you, we were in tandem, like in a very little small office, like uh near king's cross it was like a proper startup office so you could see it's not the big park of this building it's like you could see in three rooms people come in and out and we had an intern for the summer so two months or so an american guy dennis <laughs> and then well, basically <laughs> yeah, uh, you were walking and you waved at everyone and i'm like oh cool hi hi But then I think by lunchtime, like Dennis and you were like talking and chatting. And one of my other colleagues, she was like, oh, my God, does he know who he is? That's like Mike Amato. He's a member of the board. And I was like, oh, that is super cool. Like <laughs> they are like best buddies now. <laughs> and that spoke like without speak without words, of course, that spoke so highly of you uh, that day. It kind of demonstrates how open you were and it's like no hierarchy and you're right by just like talking with someone else in the office it was not like member of the board cannot talk and have lunch and banter with an intern 
But usually that doesn't happen because the member of the board, it's very uh, busy and they go and do their job and they are like very thinking about this and the other. My assumption is they don't go and walk around the office to chat with everyone. <laughs> Uh, and that caught my attention when I met you. Ah, <laughs> that's a great story. I remember, Dennis. It's, it's, it's funny because I love that guy. And that's a word that's not used enough. We talk about energy and souls and everything like that, but, but love. Um, oh. I love that guy. He, he had enough nerve to come up and start talking to me and chatting to me. And meanwhile, you can see the other people were kind of nervous. It's like, okay, they won't be nervous after they get to know me. But at first, you know, there's, there's, that, yeah. there's that, that tendency to, to honor the position. I always think of the position as just the label on the hat. Take the hat away. Have you taken the person away? Only if they identify themselves with that position. So, so anyway, it's, I love it, and I and I love that guy, and and um, and I love the people that I worked with at every company. I've loved every job that I've had. Um, I, I would do any job that I had. I would do it again because I loved it because I got a chance. You know, a lot of companies talk about being customer centric. Customers are the heart of everything we do. Really, at the heart. What's in the heart? Love. You can't say love, Mike. No, I love my customers. I love them. That's if you're going to say use it's in the heart, then use the heart and the language of the heart is love. Yeah. And that's something that's just not talked about enough, I don't think. And and a lot of people think it means you can't be a strong leader. Well, I, I can give you examples of of um, if strong leadership means doing the toughest thing, which is to decruit people. I, I can give mm. you a lot of stories. Uh, we, 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 uh, just one off the top of my head. Um, we had um, a situation with an investment product where, where the regulator ruled that, that uh, Barclays Investment Advisors was responsible for the performance of the, of the investment. The stock market, it, it, was a, it was a fund. The stock market went down. The fund went down. Customers complained. And, and, and the regulator, without judgment from me, said, you must underwrite that because the market went down. People, people didn't know what they had. Like, Okay. Um, we closed our investment investment advisory. I had to lay off 750 people because if we were going to be responsible, if the customer took the profits when the market went great, but if the company had to underwrite the stock market and and and, and pay for the market not performing, we didn't belong in the business. The regular was telling us you actually don't belong in this business because we don't believe your customers. Are being either told correctly or or they're also incapable of understanding complex things like markets going up and down. So so the point of it is is being close mm. to employees has nothing to do with managing the company, managing the brand. Big decisions are made, hard decisions are made because you serve the brand, but you do it with love, not with not with anything else, just love. And I'll make I'll, I'll leave it at that. Amazing, like amazing. <laughs> I love it because exactly it's like executive talking about love. Wow, we need more of that. <laughs> we do need more of that. We do need more of that. Um, this insecurity at executive levels is um, a, a, a massive derailer. Whenever I get a chance to coach an executive, I don't do it very often um, because that's just not rewarding. I want to democratize executive coaching. I want to give give the same quality of coaching that I gave to um, uh, Barclays CEO in Italy. Uh, to the CEO of a bank yes. in Chile, um, to, to the CEO of a bank in the UK. Hey, I want to give the exact same quality mentoring to a person who may be new in their career and, and just may be starting off. Um, I, they deserve that. They deserve that type of mentoring. And I want to, I want to figure out a way to scale it, then democratize it because um, it, it, it's just, it, 
it does good things for me. So I'm pretty selfish because I like to do things that make me happy, but to watch people excel. And by the way, yeah. you met one of my, you met one of my clients who on that fourth meeting had asked about personal life. And, you know, um, two years later, actually, actually, she, after we started talking about it and about the single signals and vibrations we sent out the environment within a month, she met a guy. Now, two years later, she is, Oh yes. she is, Yes, yes. In Australia, married, had her first baby, and is phenomenal. And I mean, it's almost instant. When you change your vibration, you change your your the energy that you bring and the, your perspective to things, you have instant success in your career and instant success at home, guaranteed. I promise. I, I that sounds like it like like it too much of a pitch, but I mean it. <laughs> I have a very important question on what you just said. You said, when you changed your vibration, and then the question that came to my mind, like automatically was like, yeah, I've heard that so many times. The question is, how? And then you and I did a lot of work on emotions. Can you guide us through the how and the role of emotions? Yes. Great question, Monica. Very good question. Um, Okay. So, so if you, if you think of Think of behaviors that things your hands do. So the things my hands do, my actions, my behaviors are, are the outside of, an, of, of a concentric circles. That's the output of, of my attitudes, the way I feel, which is the output of my beliefs and my, and, and, and my values, which are driven totally by my emotions. Okay. Um, there are the work that we did together, Monica and I did together. In, in trying to uncover a way to 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 really scale this this um, mentoring program, we, we're mapping out from a from a neuroscientist, um, Yak Pengsep, um, seven survival emotions. So emotions drive everything we do. And what he discovered was all mammals have hardwired in their brain. So these are actually systems that he mapped in the brain about survival, not just fight or flight. And I know we hear a lot about neuroscience, and we hear a lot about um, survival instincts and that, no, this is actually a scientist saying, no, I'm not saying that they're present in in mammals. I've mapped it, mapped in the brains and how they overlap and interact and exchange information from one to another. And the, and the high level view is this, um, the survival systems are, are um, a part of just being human. It's, it, it, as I mentioned, it's hardwired in our brain, but every single action we take is driven at the core by how we interpret our environment. Now, what do I mean by that? There's seven survival systems. Um, let's talk about the scarcity survival systems. Rage, fear, mm. and panic. Whenever you don't think there's enough air in the tube in London, on a hot August day when it stops and everybody's standing up, that's called panic. Okay. Whenever you think that you're not going to be relevant at work anymore, that somebody, your boss likes somebody else more than you. And how are you going to tell your partner or your friends and family that your, that your career has been derailed? That's fear has a palpable effect on how you act. Whenever you think somebody's taking something that's yours and you want to defend it, that's anger. So those are the those are the scarcity systems. The middle system is all around um, um, uh, legacy. Lust is is what he labels as lust, but it's propagation of the species. It's also the propagation of your ideas. 
a lot of executives are working not only for the financial rewards, but also the legacy they want to create and a healthy organization that lives beyond when they go. That's, that's, you can call it reproduction, you can call it lust, but that's yeah. how it's applied in the business world. Okay, then you get to the top three emotions. Care. Care is when you get a chance to take care of something, you mother, you're, you're mothering that. The, the, the mother bear with her cub, that's, that's care. Um, play. Two cups playing. That's how you learn to win. That's how you learn to lose. You learn to play. You, that's where innovation comes from is playing. <laughs> so many organizations want innovation, Monica. They, oh, we need innovation. It's our DNA. It's our DNA. Nonsense. It's not their DNA. And they haven't innovated anything because they don't allow failure. Play shows you how to win and yes. lose. Innovation is about losing four times and winning once. So enough about play. The final system is most powerful of all. And it turns out it's the transport system between these. It's the one in the map of the brain that it actually overlaps and interacts with the other six. And that's called seeking, discovery. So imagine um, ancient man, you, you've eaten, you've lived through the day, you know tomorrow you need to go find something. We start seeking where you're going to sleep. You start seeking other things. You start looking. That's when all your other needs have been met. So seeking is a way to go from panic, fear, or rage and start discovering that process and saying, how do I transport this to the higher systems where I can activate care, play, and seeking and, and, and discover really what's going on here? We're hardwired thousands and thousands and thousands of times in our life to hit the what I call the victim cycle. And that's where an event occurs. It triggers one of my scarcity um, um, emotions and it creates a bunch of negative impacts. And guess what signal, Monica, am I sending out if I'm afraid, if I'm angry, or if I'm panicky? I'm sending those signals around. So when people say, gosh, you know, yeah. she she's really great at work, but dang, she's just way too up and down. Oh, man, she's just, uh, she, she, she doesn't act like somebody who should be in a higher role. And I say, she, it could be he. So several of my times, my career has been derailed several times because I was conveying fear, panic, and rage because that's how I was interpreting certain events. And so what we discovered, Monica and I, as we worked together, is that there's another cycle called the empowerment cycle that people can launch. Once you learn a different perspective on that event, you can actually use seeking to discover really what's happening inside me. How can I return this around? How can I go from being the victim to my emotions to being in control of my emotions and choose the ones that suit me and, 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 and suit my purpose? Now my shoulders are down. My heart is open. I'm willing to discover I'm not defensive and I'm sending out different signals. And as you grow in your career, it's really important to send signals around discovery, interesting introspection, um, considering strategies, a strategic person is not a person who sees a lion running at them across the savannah 10 times a day. So that's a good <laughs> way to describe seven emotions and how we want to mentor people and coach them on developing the skills to see an event or an input in a different light to totally change their vibration. Uh, I could give more examples, but let me stop there. But matches personal life and professional yeah. life 100%. Yeah. You covered a lot and it's a very, very powerful framework that I've applied and my friends have applied. Remember that we had a chat with some of them. Uh, and as of today, one of my friends, she's currently in Colombia, 
she texted me. She's like, oh, COVID this and the other. But I have my notebook and I'm following the emotions thing that you and, and Mike told me about. So it's so powerful. So what I wanted to ask is we have this framework and then you're good at being practical. How do we use that framework and apply it on a day-to-day -day basis with something as simple as a pen and paper? Okay. I'm, I'm going to try to answer that. If I, don't, if I don't hit the nail on the head, you help me, okay? Yes, yes. Um, so, so, so how do we... How do we, okay, so, so the, the first step is awareness of anytime you want to change something. And really, that's what we're talking about is changing. Now, I know we hear about change programs all the time, but don't gloss over on your eyes, everybody. Just listen to what I'm saying. If I am in one place now and I want something to be in another place, that's change. If I want to actually make that happen, I need to do something different. We all know that. Well, awareness that we want to change is huge. It's absolutely huge. Um, um, so, so, so if I know and if I buy into the, the whole notion of the victim cycle versus the empowerment cycle, what is it that I want to change? I want to change my vibration, my reaction to stimulus, because it happens when I'm driving and somebody cuts in front of me. It happens when, the, when I'm walking across the street and I have the right to walk and a, and a motorcycle buzzes by me. It happens when somebody at work comes over and steals an idea. There's all the time there's things that happen to us. So awareness of it and awareness of our reaction to it is what's important. Um, the, the next point is internalize it is, is another way. So, so in other words, there's something called locus of control. And locus of control is this concept about how much we believe we're in control of our future. Now, I'd like to suggest you should have a very high locus of control. That's not a person who's a victim. That's a person mm -hmm. who's empowered. So through this awareness and through a pencil and paper, if you start recording how you're responding throughout the day to certain events, and if you're honest and say, you know what, fear, panic, fear, play, curious, um, productive, whatever the word you want to use, how are you feeling? You're going to start to watch and see. You're going to start to create data. And in, in fact, Monica and I were looking at a project of saying, how can we create a tool that will give um, automated approach to recording this these emotions to recording my mood even so it gives data that says here is your vibration so so i still think it's something that, that would be a tremendous tool um, um and, and and one day it will happen but but for now just understand conceptually you can do it yourself with a pen and a paper by just being aware and recording um following uh, monica and i are let's say talking to the ceo ceo comes and says guys men and women i, I use guys Generically, okay. Uh, guys, we're going to go with Project Green. Monica says, fantastic. Oh, I love that. I could, we're going to make green magnets for the for the uh, everybody's computer to stick to the front of the computer. Rev Green is going to be the campaign. Uh, customer statements are going to reflect green. We're going to make a poem and a song about green. Well, to the CEO, how does she look? She looks engaged. She's sending a vibration of, of somebody who is... Who is um, um, excited and ready to go. And, and, and she's a player that, that Monica, she's a player. What does Mike do? A great green. Mm -hmm. Did you ever, did you Trust. think about it? Yeah. Cause you know, the arms. <laughs> yeah. Consumer research says green is the third least favorite color. Did you think about that? Did you think about red? Red is the favorite color. Well, what's going on? 
Now I'm sending a vibration because I've interpreted the very same event that Monica is receiving positive. Well, why? And if I would stop my reaction, I would say, do you know what? I told my team that Project Red would be the one. I told them, get ready, print up the red things. And so we're going to go Project Red, guys. Trust me on this one. I look stupid to my team. I told my wife, my career is based on Project Red. Mm. Now I believe that my CEO likes Monica better than me. I got to quit. Panic, fear, right? And so now, who's CEO? And by the way, this is an actual example of me early in my career, where the wasn't the CEO at the time, but the senior manager said, actually said, Mike, I'm not sure that's a productive reaction. Monica, will you talk to Mike about how to react when you get news like this? You talk about bringing me down. Wow, what a learning experience! Do you see? So, so it's human nature. Yeah, and then something else. So now not only did I lose Monica, but now Monica is my de facto supervisor. Like, oh, Lord, this is a bad day. Well, you have a few bad days and call it a crisis, but it wasn't a crisis, but it was felt like it that day. You better change and not just nod and lean, but Mm. move my feet in a new direction. Well, this emotion systems is the way that really helped me start seeing how can I react in a way that's constructive and productive, not destructive and not productive. <laughs> I ran out of if, if words, but not destructive. Yes. And hurting my <laughs> and that's vibration, Monica. That's my as long as yes. it is. is, it, yeah. is that, and that's that so answer your question. Super powerful. Yes, it's super powerful. It answered the question, and I'll summarize it as well. So, if you're listening, uh, remember that Mike talked about kind of pen and paper and and saying, "Hey, fear, play, care." Basically, if throughout the day, especially when when we're feeling great, sometimes we we don't really need this. But it's like when we're going through challenges, it's and we're like feeling funky, let's say. Uh, If throughout the day you grab a notebook and then just record your emotions and it doesn't have to be thousands. You can simplify them like fear, care, play, the ones that Mike discussed. Then you start seeing the patterns because it's about data. It's what it shows us. It's like it's very objective. So throughout the day you'll start seeing data. And then even if you do it throughout a week, you start seeing, oh, I have this range of emotions at 8 a.m. I have this range of emotions at 4 p.m. I have this range of emotions at 7 p.m. And different things happen throughout the day. And then if it's a, you'll see the patterns in a work week. (laughs) And then that helps you change because you're seeing data and you're being objective with something as subjective as emotions. And that's why it's so powerful. Beautiful. And what's that's well done, Monica. Really well done. Yeah, I was like, well, <laughs> well expressed. <laughs> <laughs> it is. You nailed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're also you're also a master interpreter too. So so um what I love about you is that you're able to look at that emotional chart and say, okay, this means this, this means that, this could mean this, could mean that. And it's a really great tool to create consultation. Um, so I love that. There's a, a, another tool that's that's good too. It's called the derailer tool. So there's things we all do that we shoot ourselves in the foot, and that we derail our own progress. And we always want to blame external, but I can tell you, locus of control, have a high locus of control, and look inside first because you'll find out the derailer invariably is what's driving your future. Amazing, you've read my mind. Uh, so I'm conscious of time. And there is a topic that it's, ah, yeah, it's a little bit sensitive, but I would like to bring it. Um, talking about derailers, 
what I found talking about talking with women is that many like there's this phrase that they have asked me and I've asked myself and it is am I being too emotional <laughs> and then when when I ask it myself I'm like maybe but when they ask me it's different because exactly you have perspective you're not in the emotions when they ask me I'm like oh wait yes there's an element of emotions are coming up but it's a very complex environment that you are working on like the rules of the game are some they change it's male dominated it's like a very complex environment so I don't even know exactly what's the right question, but it's more of a, can you expand on this topic about women and the work and the challenges that we have? It's not just being emotional at work. It is like real structural changes that they are not favorable towards the working environment, let's say. Yeah, that's, it's, gosh, it's a, it's a huge point, Monica. And, um, And, and, and I love the way you frame it up. Am I being too emotional? Well, the answer is, if your emotions are controlling your behaviors, then you're, then you're too emotional. If you're controlling your behaviors, you're controlling your emotions, then, then you're not too emotional. Emotional just is saying, I'm being human. I'm reacting to a stimulus, uh, an event in a certain way. The key is to make it the way that serves you best. Remember, the goal of working somewhere is to serve your needs. Whether it's just a job you want to then go home, that's serving your needs. Whether it's you want to become the CEO one day, whether you're launching your own business and, and you're trying to make it successful, it's you're doing this activity to serve whatever your needs are. So if your emotions control you, then you're not really, um, th then that's probably not positive. If, if, on the other hand, if you're deliberately using emotions, for example, I, I learned early on as a parent, um, don't discipline your child when you're angry. Never discipline yourself. Do it at a different time. You do it at a time limit, but do it in a, without anger in your heart. And it has a whole different impact. So mm. same thing. You're going to be emotional at work. Work, and, and, and by, by the way, it's like standing on a ball. Have you ever tried to stand on a ball? You, you're never done. You, you never <laughs> It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's a balancing <laughs> act. Cannot let your guard down. So you're going to have... Um, things happen that are going to drive emotion. Someday you're going to win. Some days you're going to lose. That's just how it is. Some days you feel like you're top of your game. Your energy's high. Some days you're not. So it's really, if you're too emotional, it's like saying, am I too human? No, don't worry about that. The question is, am I developing the skills to channel my emotions to serve my needs? Now, especially in a male-dominated world, it's really difficult. It's really difficult. And you want to say to yourselves, as you think about the vibration that you're sending out, the way you're projecting yourself through the, through some of the tools we've talked about, but just overall saying, do I now have control over the, over the energy I'm sending out and the vibration? It, the really key important thing is to then get on the other side of that and say, what are people seeing when they see me? In other words, if I was a CEO, what would I look like? Look at, pardon me. See, see a lot of times the women that I mentor Monica are women who sat in row, row one seat a and they're high achievers got good grades, do work, they mm. embrace the challenge, they deliver, they deliver, they deliver. In fact, they're so valuable at their current job that the boss can't promote them because they're too good at what they do. That happens to so many women that I work with. So so how do you come through and how do you yes, break through? I've seen that too. Isn't that crazy? 
it, it's, it's just counterintuitive. Yeah, it's and since it. you told me about it, since you told me about it, I see it. Like I see it in different places and I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. Sorry, I cut your flow. <laughs> That's okay. It, it's sad, but it is really real. So, so the question is then, what do you do about this? Well, you need to then say, if I was a CEO, what would I do? And look at yourself from those eyes. Ask yourself, what's going to get the CEO fired or, or boss? It doesn't have to be CEO, but the boss. What's going to get the boss fired? What are they protecting? What is their emotional system, their emotional state? And the more you can project two layers up, the more you begin to be seen as a player, as a person who's not only just delivering, but a person who's also pretty strategic, pretty, it's not about being guarded in what you, and how you think and what you say. It's actually truly feeling that you're able to consider all sides of an argument, all sides of things. And then you understand where people are coming from. Um, one lesson I gave, which I, which I would use to kind of bring this to a point is that um, I was given, pardon me, a lesson. I didn't gave, I didn't gave it. Um, they were given a lesson by a, a CEO when I had a big promotion one time. And they said, when you come to the board, present the board, you need to understand how each person at that table is going to react to the information and be prepared for each. Think about it before you come in and mm -hmm. say, she will say this, he will say that, she will think this, he will say that, and get ready and come in. It was enormously valuable in everything. And, and, and Monica, that's how you begin to win in a man's world is to start understanding what are the things that get them fired? What are their insecurities? Why are they insecure? What do they want to see from a person in my position and two levels higher in terms of behaviors and things like that? What do they want to see? They have problems and they want me to solve problems. They don't want me to make problems. And by the way, my boss plays golf with him every Saturday. So I don't play golf. Well, guess what? The first person to get fired will be the one who yes. plays golf, doesn't deliver versus the person who does deliver and, play, and, 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 and ultimately is, is the person who has a higher ceiling. So, so this is a very simple and crude way to look at it, but you can definitely look at how you send a signal. You can look at being emotional, can be a, look, I'm emotional, can hear me, hear me right now. I, I get excited about things. So the emotional in itself is not bad. The question is, are the emotions, the emotion that you want that serve your purpose and that actually serve the purpose of the organization, the brand? And that plays a little bit of 360 um, um, effort has to be played so you understand the game that you're totally playing. And, and guys are actually pretty good at that sometimes. They're pretty good at that. And that's how they got to where they were. So that's what I would say is one answer to your question. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, yes, it made me think. I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's very powerful. It's yeah, just it's like I'll I'll have I'll have to re-listen to my own podcast. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. See, I knew it. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So we've covered a lot today. Like a lot. Uh so probably if you're listening, I would recommend that when you finish this, you let it sink in and then kind of like take one concept. If you have to re-listen to this again, just to see like, oh, which are the concepts that we covered? Like take one idea and play with that idea for a few days. Yeah, because like we did cover a lot of material that it's not spoken about in LinkedIn, nor Harvard Business Review, nor coaching. It's a very specific approach and methodology based on someone with like 
years of experience in growth and development, you know, like personal growth, career growth, and banking and knowing the industry and the insights. So it's like super powerful. Um, so Mike, as we get to the end, uh, any final remarks that you have for the women or men listening to the podcast? Yeah. Uh, thank you for mentioning men, of course, because we gen made a lot of generalizations, which, you know, could, could yeah. be distracted, I don't want, that's not the message. Um, um, look, what I would say is this, um, it's really cool that everybody watching this is interested in being better at what they're doing, growing, finding out how they can really unleash and unlock all their potential. Um, I love that that's what you're helping people do, Monica. I love the way that you do it. And your advice was good. Um, you, know, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Well, you eat an elephant at a bite at a time. We just talked about five years of stuff, right? And, and, and gosh, we could talk for another two hours about different things. The question is, what pertains to each person? Start slowly. I would expand your locus of control. A big derailer is victim. Big derailer is to externalize our problems. He's bad. She's bad. He's mean. She's not nice. They didn't take my budget. They did this. They, 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 they. I would start by expanding your locus of control and say, wait a minute, what do I do to change reality? What do I do to create today's reality? And what do I do to create a different reality? Just kind of be with that. It's probably the most fundamental, most powerful thing you can do for your life just on your own. Um, and, and that's, so I thought your advice was very good in terms of trying to make it bite-sized. It's, it's, it's a lot of stuff we talked about today. Hopefully it was inspiring, not inspiring, hopefully it inspired some thoughts. Hopefully it was um, um, motivating in terms of some, some, some things you might want to think about. Um, and hopefully it challenged you a little bit. Hopefully it surprised you as well. That's what I would mm. say. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mike. It was an absolute pleasure and honor having you today. Uh, there is a wealth of wisdom in this one hour. <laughs> uh, just very last question to you. Uh, where can we find you? Now I'm like, I want to know more. <laughs> I'm like, where do I go and where do I find Mike Amato? <laughs> All right. Uh, there's two places where you can go right now. Number one is I've got a website. Uh, by the way, I do um, corporate speaking. So um, um, as, as the economy's opened back up, I'm, my website's written from a standpoint of, of, of doing speaking engagements. So uh, amatosparks.com is, is, um, is the website. And so you can find me there and, and, and hear more about my philosophies, a little bit more about my background. And, and again, that's targeted for speaking, but also then it does talk about one-to-one -one mentoring in, in, in one of the sections. So modelsparks.com. And then there's Why Not You by Mike Amato on Facebook. Um, Why Not You by Mike Amato is locus of control. And so I say, why not you? Why aren't you the CEO? Why aren't you the senior manager? Why aren't you having this succession career that you want to have? You actually can. And, and I don't want to make it a cliche, you can do it thing, but you, know, you can do it. There's definitely ways you can do it. And it talks about ways to, to make that happen. So, so um, those are the two ways you can find me. Um, um, email me at um, mikeamato at amatosparks.com. Also, if you have questions and want to follow up, um, And, and, and that's the best way to find me right now for, for, for information. You can also reach me through Monica always if, if, if there's something I can do for you or your company. If I can help you change your culture and your company and help all of your colleagues, and I'd love that. I'd love that. So um, that would be so much fun, make the world better for thousands of people. But I, my career is based on that, and I'd love to do it again. Yes, and you're great at that. So 
<laughs> Perfect Thank match. You. Thank you for that. The mutual admiration. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Uh, well, one more time. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and genuinely for sharing all of this wisdom because not everybody does. So thank you for your generosity and your time. Absolutely. Uh, thank you Mike, for having me. And, and maybe we'll do it again one day. We talk about something different, like how to make wine. We can talk about that. Oh, yes. yes. Anything you want. <laughs> thank you, Mike. Ladies, Wait. hope you enjoyed and I'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers.